0: From landing on the Mayflower to conquering the western frontier to secession and the civil war, the idea of the self-serving, rugged individual operating in an environment of isolation and lawlessness isn't unusual to the American man. In fact, if we were to pick a national animal for the USA, one which best embodied the character and impulses of the nation, it would be the wolf, and a lone wolf at that, not the bald eagle. In many cases, when we think of a lone wolf, an image of an ancestral dog, stoically traversing through snow-covered mountains, basking in all its solitude or chuck noise from their expendable. you do know that they made him the lone wolf for the safety of the other members of the team right and while this is somewhat accurate that idea that we have of the wolf this doesn't exactly tell us why lone wolves exist why strike out on your own when life is so much more simple hunting and living in a pack well according to some article i found on wikipedia for reasons of avoiding the issue of inbreeding within a pack many soon-to-be lone wolves are driven out or they leave their fellow wolves behind in the hopes of discovering new territory ripe with prey and mating options. Sound familiar to anyone? Lone wolves are also usually stronger and more aggressive than your average wolf simply because it has to exhibit these features if it wishes to survive and it's this part the hostility and unpredictability that comes with living out in the wild completely alone which can also be compared to the lives of most Americans throughout most of the country's history. Whether it's those of the excluded or those of the lot who embarked on a new life further west or the slavers or the fact that the usa by many standards has always had a relatively significant rural population much of the country has at one point or another found itself operating in a space where there hasn't been much by way of definitive present and extensive central institution and general order in place and historically speaking these have been the places where lawlessness and violence have best prevailed in other words for better or for worse in the land of the free you are on your own Therefore in such an atomistic society where when you wake up in the morning you hope that you have yourself a gun can anyone truly be mystified by the violence readily displayed throughout the nation at an individual level in the more densely populated and urbanized regions of the world where civilization and order is more likely to rise to the fore Matters of conflict would probably be addressed with the help of the police, local courts, and the community. But for most of the US's history, a number of different factors point to such ways of resolving conflict not truly taking hold. Government imposed attacks that you don't like? Why bother with lobbying? Shoot them. Have a problem with those Indians nearby your town occupying all of the good lines? Don't bother to try and strike out a deal with them. Just run them out and take all of the land for yourself. The gentleman from the neighboring estate fronting like he wants all of the smoke? Have it out over a deal. Pissed off with the government for posturing to take back federally owned land that you used to graze your cattle with? Engage in an armed standoff. Countless other examples can be drawn upon to illustrate how much of what could be described as jungle law, a term coincidentally used by Rudyard Kipling in a poem used to describe the behaviour of wolves in packs, or otherwise known as frontier justice, fused with an evil vengeance, has become a mainstay in American life. Combine this with the religious and spiritual ideas which have come to dominate the American imagination, sown in the words of the declaration of independence and manifest destiny then you get an environment where violence in the pursuit of some grand aim or perceived injustice is sometimes viewed as the only way and best way forward. This is best highlighted in American foreign policy where the launch of full-scale invasions and drone wars on far away arguably non-provoking lands are carried out in the name of protecting democracy and national security. Thus how is it that we can be shocked whenever we witness this behavior on a smaller scale in the form of general gun violence or mass shootings? It's simply a microcosm of a form of violence which seems to be uniquely American. Many of the mass shooters and terrorists in your Oklahoma bombers, Columbine shooters, Dylan Roof, Song Hui Chos, Elliot Rogers, Joe Stacks, perform these despicable acts of violence under the guise of retribution and perhaps the reason why this is so is because american culture through its told and untold tales of the wild west countless rebellions and insurrections and its blockbuster films and popular literature has enshrined a manner of justice where the individual the lone wolf takes justice and in turn their fate and that
1: of others into their own hands Speaking about lone wolves reminds me of a story. April 20th, 1999, a day that will never be forgot for people living in the suburbs of Columbine, Colorado, and for my mom as well. The Columbine High School shooting was the most deadly school shooting in U.S. history until Sandy Hook 13 years later, and my sister and I were just 10 miles down the road from it at our elementary school. My mom still looks back on that day with terror. Every day after that came the knowledge that she would be sending her kids to a place that could become a shooting range at any moment. As a gun debate rages on almost 20 years later, that's still a reality for many parents. The solutions have ranged from arming students with rocks to turning schools basically into prisons. And of course, there's the push for gun control. There's an elephant in the room that has haunted the issue ever since. The question as to why this doesn't happen elsewhere as frequently as it does in the U.S. The number of guns is often attributed to this. And yes, that would make sense seeing as how we have 101 guns to every 100 residents. No country even comes close to this. But there's something lurking under the surface. Something that's only now coming to light. America's connection to violence. The U.S. has taken how it uses violence to a new level. Since its creation, there have only been 21 years of peace. This includes against itself, such as with the Civil War, its citizens, such as rebellions and union busting, and with other countries, either explicitly, like with Iraq, or secretly, like recently in Africa. During this time, we have assassinated world leaders to achieve our goals, used the IMF and the World Bank to put developing countries into the pockets of American banks, and massacred, and marginalize our country's native population under the guise of God's will. What this does to our young Americans is tells them violence is the solution. Of course, this doesn't mean everyone's going to be violent, as there are many interpersonal reasons for acting a certain way. But when the underlying political environment around the person emboldens violence, it's easier to get pushed over the edge. This makes the issue much more widespread than previously thought. It is no longer as easily identified and therefore easily solved. It's not banning hip-hop or extending wait times for firearms. It's tackling systemic problems that need to be addressed by everyone. Violence is woven into our identity. Identity and exerted in every part of our life. It becomes the way we get news shoved down our throats. It becomes the way that we receive our ideologies. It is the inescapable rush of fleeting terror that paradoxically tells us to put on a smile during a selfie. The U.S. has found a way to capitalize this violence. But it's no longer the direct violence that may be used against serfs or slaves. Instead, it's coercion based on an underlying struggle of actual violence. With guns as an example, we can see that there is a direct threat, some kind of ominous danger that looms over gun ownership. On the interpersonal level is the fear of violence against their family. On the societal level is the fear of their guns being taken away. And there are some gun owners who take that to the next level and justify their gun ownership with some global catastrophe. The way to resolve these actual fears is by taking part in the violence, by begetting more of it. You allow your fears of actual violence to play into the larger underlying violence. And by doing so, you put yourself and others at greater risk. After all, gun ownership does increase the chance of the gun owner committing suicide or homicide. Of course, this idea of underlying violence will be met with criticisms. Rest assured, guys, it'll come from both sides of the political spectrum. But it's because it's not involving one side or the other. And that reaction against ideas as being partisan is just another way that the underlying violence emerges. That if anyone says anything contrary to your party line, then you have to type out a full-fledged response in all caps. But then, can this be resolved? We might have to save that for the comments. As always, share, like, and subscribe. This has been another episode of 2 Tim's Talking Trash.